We're going to be looking at chapter 27 tonight, and uh, uh, for I get someone to read, we'll, uh, we'll want to kind of catch up on where we left off uh, last Wednesday night. Uh, we had went over the numbers, and I know that that was really exciting for y'all. Uh, but uh, we it, it ended that chapter 20, uh, 26 uh, by saying that uh, that uh, there shall surely die in the wilderness uh, all those that uh, that had sinned against the Lord and there was not left a man of them save Caleb and the son of Jephthah and Joshua the son of Nun uh, from those uh, people uh, during that 40 year span who had come out of Egypt at that certain age that he had cursed and they, they were all dead now and uh, and uh, so he's, he's given final instruction to them uh, before they go into the promised land uh, to take the land. So we're going to be reading uh, in chapter 27, if you all would. If someone would, go ahead and read me the first 11 verses of chapter 27, please. I'll read if you don't mind me messing up on the words. <laughs> we all understand. Then the daughters of Zolaphad, the son of Hophur, the son of Gilad, the son of Micur, the son of Manasseh, of the family of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, came near to these. And these are the names of his daughters, Leah, Noah, Hagla, and Micur, <laughs> And see, they stood before Moses and before Azar, the priests and the leaders of the of all the congregation, and the doorway of the tent of meeting, saying, "Our fathers died in the wilderness, and yet he has no uh, has not among the company of those who gathered themselves together against the Lord in the company of Korah, but he died in his own sin, and he had no sons. Why should the name?" of our father be withdrawn from among the family because he had no son. Give us a possession among our father's brothers. So Moses brought their case before the Lord. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, the daughter of Zephah had are right in their statements. You shall surely give them a hereditary possession among their father's brothers and you shall transfer the inheritance of their father to them. Father, you shall speak to the sons of Israel, saying, If a man dies and he, <coughs> he has no sons, then you shall transfer his inheritance to his daughter. If he has no daughter, then you shall give his inheritance <coughs> to his brothers. If he has no brothers, then you shall give his inheritance to his father's brothers. If his father has no brothers, then you shall give his inheritance to the nearest relative in his own family, and he shall possess it. And it shall be a statutory ordinance to the sons of Israel, just as the Lord commanded Moses. Okay, so we see we see in this right here uh, several uh, things that we we can look at and think about. For one thing, is that um, these people now believe they were fixing to inherit this land. Remember those that had died in the wilderness forty years before? They wasn't so sure they could take the land. These people are certain. And, and these daughters right here are already making plans for when they get dole out the land, 
they want their part of it. They're taking care of it before, the, before they go in and fight a single battle, before they're ever told to go across the Jordan River. They want to take care of this. It also tells us another thing. Every, every man don't have sons, okay? And so uh, the, the daughters of that day, because the Bible is written in masculine form, it, uh, it, it don't belittle women, but I think this is a case where the Lord wants us to, to show us He is not a respecter of persons. That, you know, one of the things, qualities in heaven that's going to be great is there's no gender in heaven. Y'all know that, don't you? No husbands and wives, no male, no female, no slave, no bond. We're all going to be free. There ain't going to be nobody worrying about who's better than who. This ain't going to be there. And so, so you know, there's been a, a, a war between men and women for years. We call it women's liberation and whatever you want to call it that, that, that we recognize in our day. None of that's going to be there in, in, in that day. And I think the, the, a lot of the reason that, uh, that there's so much controversy now is because uh, a lot of times men, instead of taking their role uh, and, and being the godly men they're supposed to be, the only scripture they know to tell a woman is you're supposed to be under subjection to me. And, uh, and so it's a, it's a wrong approach. It's not an approach that God uh, did uh, the, the, when he... he uh, Lord, uh, Paul wrote that scripture. Uh, he made it very plain who the man was supposed to be before the woman did that. Okay? <laughs> and so uh, anyway, we find these daughters way back when, and, uh, and they're worried about their inheritance because they have no brother. There's no brother to this man. And so they come to Moses and they ask him, uh, what about us? What about us? We, we have no brother. And, th and they made it plain to him that their father had died in his own sin, but he was not killed with Korah when the, the, when the ground opened up and swallowed it. He wasn't one of that bunch. They wanted to make that plain that he wasn't as bad as they were, I think, what they were getting at. Uh, but he did die in his own sin in the wilderness, and they didn't feel that, that they was des deserved to be punished for his sin. God agreed. Amen? God does agree with that. We have scripture saying that a man, that a, a son is not responsible for his father's sin. And so it's a lot of times people want to say, well, that boy right there ain't got a chance because of his daddy. That's a lie. Mm -hmm. Amen. Every person has a chance to take their own opportunities and make their own choices. Amen. And if your daddy is something, if he's an alcoholic, that don't mean you've got to be one too. Matter of fact, it ought to mean that you don't never want to be something like that. But anyway, to, to get to that, that's not what this is about. Uh, but uh, they, they asked the question, uh, why should the name of our father be done away with from among his family because he hath no son? And, and I love the way Moses handles these things. You know, Moses could have said, you know what? Y'all got a good case right there. Uh, let's get all the elders and let's get together and we'll... We'll figure this. That's what we do today. Isn't it? We'll, we'll get. We'll make a committee and we'll figure all this stuff out. Moses called on the name of the Lord. He asked the Lord, and, I, and I'm not belittling our committees, but our committees ought to always call on the name of the Lord before they make a decision too. And so uh, he, 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 he. Uh, Moses uh, brought their cause. Verse five. It says before the Lord, and the Lord agreed with these girls. The Lord heard what they said. He understood what they said and he agreed with what they said that it was not right for them to not have an inheritance because their father had no son. And, and he went further. 
than what they asked for. And I really like what, what it shows here. Not only did the Lord see that, he saw other issues that was going to be a problem, so he addresses these issues before they become one, okay? And so he says, well, if, uh, uh, he said, thou shalt surely give them possession, thou shalt cause the inheritance of their father to pass unto them. And then he goes on a little further, and he says, I want you to tell all the children of Israel, if a, if a man that dies has no son, then you shall cause his inheritance to pass into the daughter. If he has no daughters or sons, then his uh, inheritance ought to go to his brothers, okay, his brethren. And, and so, uh, and then he, he goes even further than that, said if there is no brethren, then give his inheritance to his father's brethren. So if it don't go to a child, it goes to uh, a brother. If there's no brothers, it goes to an uncle. That's what he said. He wants to keep uh, this in the family. And then look in verse 11, and if his father have no brethren, then you shall give his inheritance unto his kinsman that is next to him and his family, and he shall possess it, and it shall be unto the children of Israel a statute of judgment as the Lord commanded Moses. Now, now uh, later on, we're going to see some more stuff that he's going to do for the, for the women that uh, when uh, these women that he's going to give this land to has to stay married within their tribe, okay? Like if they're from the tribe of, uh, of Manasseh, like these women are, they're going to have to marry someone inside the tribe of Manasseh. God looked ahead, and this is what he saw in men. There's going to be men from the tribe of Benjamin say, hey, if we married them old gals that's got an inheritance from the tribe of Manasseh, and we marry them, it'll be ours. God fixed that. Well, that couldn't happen. He did, and when he gave the inheritance to the tribe later on, he wanted that inheritance to stay in that tribe. Did you know God still knows who goes where and who's got what? Mm -hmm. He still knows those things. He don't. He he hadn't lost track of it like we have, and like Israel has. He already <laughs> knows. Amen. And one of these days when he calls this 144,000, 12,000 from each tribe that's going to be out there proclaiming the name of Jesus. He's going to know who they are. He's going to know what tribe they're from. He's going to know about their inheritance. He's going to know those things. Amen. Those people that he's going to call don't even know who they belong to, but he's going to know. And he's going to call them uh, that way. So that's the kind of God that we have. And, and so he did agree with these women. He made uh, more than what they asked for. He, he gave Moses the commandment to tell all of Israel. So once he says it, everybody knows this is the way it is. And now they have something written when a situation comes up, they can go, and this is what God said, and this is what we're going to do. Listen, that's why we have the Word of God today. Amen? We still got that. Isn't that a blessing that we still got that? All right, any questions about this? Yeah. Okay. Are you saying that if they would have had a brother, that they would have received some inheritance? If they would have had a brother, he would have gotten the inheritance, and they would have got to live with him and take part of that inheritance. Okay. Yeah, that's the way that worked. Usually, uh, it would go to the older brother, the inheritance would, and he, he would be like an elder over that group of people, and they all got, took part in that inheritance. And if they didn't want to stay, they could leave, but as long as they stayed, they took part. Okay? That's the way it worked. He was basically closing all the loopholes before they opened up. He did. before, And, and you know, the thing about him, he was seeing the hearts of these people, and he knew what was on their minds. Yeah. And, he, and he, so he goes ahead in advance and gives them answers before they ever even ask because 
He knew this stuff was going to keep coming up. And it's almost time for them to invade. They need to get this stuff out of the way uh, before they invade. Because once they invade and they conquer these people, that's when they're going to start rolling the dice and they start to give the land away. Okay? And so they need to know who's eligible to receive land. And this is taken care of. You say that the land goes to the boy and they can stay there. <clears throat> they can stay there. Uh-huh. If they stay, do they get the same, say, acreage as the boy gets? Or well, the they'd boy? just be all a part of it. It would belong to the family, of the part of it. But they would have one, uh, usually the oldest <laughs> son, as who received the inheritance. <laughs> the younger ones served under him. He would be the elder. He'd be the one that, that would be the boss over all of it and tell them uh, everything they needed to do. But they would all benefit from it by the food they grew. They would all work it. They would, they could all have houses on this land. I mean, it, that's the way it was. But he would be like the the elder of that family, and he uh, one would make the decisions. Right. Yeah. Kind of overseer. He, he would be. I mean, it, it, that's the way God designed it to be. Okay? And you see, uh, you know, in in uh, the prodigal son. Uh, but that's what was fixing to happen. The father was fixing to leave the inheritance to the older son, and the younger son did not want to stay there and serve the older son. He said, you go ahead and give me my part right now, and I'm going to get out of it. And he did. And that's what that was all about. And so uh, that's why he wanted to leave. He did not want to serve under the older son who would have had control of everything. Okay? Any more questions? Okay. Uh, somebody read for me uh, verses 12 uh, through 23. Go, let's just go ahead and uh, read the remainder of this chapter. <clears throat> well, I'll hit it. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Get thee up into Mount Abraham, and see the land which I have given unto the children of Israel. And when thou hast seen it, thou also shalt be gathered unto thy people, as Aaron thy brother was gathered. For ye rebelled against my commandments in the desert of Zin, in the strife of the congregation, to sanctify me at the waters before their eyes, that is, the water of Meribah in Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin. And Moses spake unto the Lord, saying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation which may go up before them, and which may go in before them, and which may lead them out, and which may bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord be not as sheep which have no shepherd. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take thee Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is a spirit, and lay thy hand upon him, and set him before Eleazar the priest, and before all the congregation, and give him a charge in their sight. And thou shalt put some of thine honor upon him, that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. And he shall stand before Eleazar the priest, who shall ask counsel for him after the judgment of Urim before the Lord. At his word shall they go out, and at his word they shall come in, both he and all the children of Israel with him, even all the congregation. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him, and he took Joshua and set him before Eleazar the priest and before all the congregation. And he laid his hands upon him and gave him a charge as the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses. 
Okay, so we see from verses 12 through 15 that the Lord's told Moses, he said, okay, it's time for you to die. Now, how would y'all like to get that message? And he told him to go up. He was going to show him the promised land. Now, here's what you got to understand. This is, a, this is what the Lord told him. But you know what? The time is not the same to God because there's a whole book. The book of Deuteronomy is written after this statement was made. Okay? The book of Deuteronomy was written after this statement was made. And in Deuteronomy chapter 34, and y'all know it's going to take us six years to get there, <laughs> but in Deuteronomy chapter 34, we finally have recorded that Moses did this and he died. Yeah. So this is just a, a foretelling, a forewarning of God and telling Moses, I haven't changed my mind. I told you this, and this is a payment you're going to pay for your disobedience. And this is going to happen. And so he tells him again. And, and if you'll notice in these books that we've been studying, uh, Genesis uh, and even all the way through Deuteronomy, there's a, a constant, uh, 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 what's the word, that you say it over and over again. It, it, it's over and over and over. He tells them the same exact thing. Repetitious. Repetitious. That's what I'm trying to think of. I was saying you wouldn't hear me. Well, I couldn't I hear you. Your horse, hush. I'm a horse. No, not a horse. You're a horse. You're, you horse. got laryngitis, so be quiet. Okay. <laughs> anyway, it's, it, it's repetitive. It, it has been. And so, as a result of that, we get to look at this. And then, we ought to read this somewhere? Well, the Lord made this repetitive for a purpose. And I'm going to tell you about, about me. If I don't continue reading and reading and reading and studying, you know what happens? I forget. Do y'all do that? Amen? What you say? Yeah, what you say? Yeah. That, that's the way it is. We'll forget. Yes, sir. It, brother, it's amazing. I, I date the days that I've sat down and read the Bible and what chapters I read and all that stuff. And now and then, I'll say, well, I'll skip today. And it'll be four days before I get back in there. <laughs> yeah. It just went. Yeah, it just goes out the window, doesn't it? Well, the Lord doesn't allow that to happen to these people because he's taking them to a place. Now, listen to me. He's taking them to a place called the promised land and how important it is for him to be repetitive to them that they get his message. He's taking us to a promised land, too. And how important is it for us to have this repetitive over and over what he wants us to do and he who he wants us to be and who we know he is. It's repetitive. It's something that's done over and over and over. And we need to understand that's a part of who God is and the way he teaches us because he knows how soon we forget things. Amen. And he also knows the older you get, the faster you forget them. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I couldn't even think the word repetitive while ago. And so uh, that's the way that's the way we operate. And so he tells them this and he says, uh, and he tells them again why you rebel against my command, uh, commandment in the desert of Zen and strife. And he goes into detail. When I told you to speak to that rock, you whooped it in front of everybody. And and so he it's like he's getting mad all over again. Have you ever done that too? He's not really mad. Oh. He's not really mad. He's disappointed. And Moses spake unto the Lord. Now when Moses, you, you know, when Moses was up on Sinai, when the Lord found out that they had made this golden calf, he knew before Moses did. Moses uh, didn't, couldn't see what God could see 
And so he wasn't fired up and angry like God was. And God told him what they were down there and what they were doing. And, and I want to kill all these people and I'll just make a nation out of you. Remember that? And Moses reasoned with God. Moses was a friend of God. A friend that keeps us from doing things. Amen? And even though God was God and Moses was a created man, a, a, a man that, that God was God of, he, he, he trusted Moses enough that he listened and Moses was able to reason with him. Listen to me, y'all. We serve a reasonable God. Yeah. Just like these women reasoned a while ago through Moses with God. Yeah. Think about that. And so uh, Moses uh, gets to thinking about this. Now Moses don't argue and say, Lord, can't can we just let bygones be bygones and just forget that? Moses didn't say that, did he? What did he say? Go pick out a man and go over the congregation. That's right. He said, and Moses prayed to the Lord, say, let the Lord, the God of all uh, of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation. They're going to need a leader. God, you made me a leader. And, and you, you know what I have had to deal with as being their leader. And here I still am. Mm -hmm. And you know, the Bible will tell us later on that Moses never lost his strength, never lost his vision. He never, he never, he was still as strong as he was at 120 years old as he was when he was 20 years old. Boy, wouldn't we like to have that, A.D.? God made him that way. Hey, listen to me. Those people's shoes ain't even wide yet. They still got on the same shoes they had when they left Egypt. That's God. That's only God can do those things. And so he, but he reasoned with him and he said, well, well Lord, I, I, I'm not going to argue with you. I know I, I've got to give up the ghost, uh, you know, after I see the promised land. But he said, he said, please set a man over the congregation. And God agreed with him. I know I need to do that. And now is going to be the time. Now, now what I want you to see here is Moses is going to live a good while longer, long enough to write the book of Deuteronomy. He's going to, he's going to continue on uh, rehearsing the things in their ears so they don't forget about the sacrifices. Because see, God was serious about this. And later on, we're going to see in Jesus' day, they had took all this information and just threw it under the rug and they're doing things the way they wanted to. Amen. God wasn't even accepting their, their animal sacrifices anymore because they were, they were giving him uh, animals that were not perfect animals. He requires perfection. He per and so this stuff has to be uh, rehearsed and repeated into their ears so they get it right because when they get over there, they're totally dependent on God. Listen to me. There's giants over there. There's some big people over there. There's hundreds of thousands of warriors over there that have been fighting for centuries. And they're going to need God. And, and so they, they've got to stay right with God. If they don't stay right with God, they're going to be in a lot of trouble. And we see later on, that's exactly what happens to them. And, and they're still in a lot of trouble over there. Amen? Because they're still not quite right with God. Okay. And so he, he, he does this. And, and so it, it really was it ever a question in your mind when you read this. Who was up there on, uh, on, uh, at the foot of the mountain when Moses was up there when they made the golden calf? He come back down and Joshua was waiting on him. Joshua was the minister of Moses. That was his title at that time. He's the one that followed Moses around and took care of Moses' need. He was a servant, a fetcher, a go-getter for Moses. 
And he was he had followed Moses as far as the Lord would allow other men to go. And he laid down and he didn't go back. He could hear that camp in there and all of that reveling going on. And he thought it was a sound of war. But you know what? He didn't go back in there. He waited on Moses. God saw that quality in this man. Amen. He saw that quality. He was, he was a man that could be depended on to keep his word and do what he was supposed to do no matter how much he felt the need to, to leave his post and go somewhere. That's who God was looking for. Amen. Think about that. He was looking for a faithful man who did what he was supposed to do and didn't let uh, outside uh, forces cause him to move in the wrong direction. Okay. So when Moses went down there and talked to him, he said, uh, uh, Joshua told him, he said, it sounds like a war going on in the camp down there. Moses kind of already knew what was going on, but sort of, but he didn't know exactly. So this is who God picked, and this is who God told him to do. And I want you to look in verse 18. He says, take, take thee, Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit. You see that? Everybody in the Old Testament didn't have the Spirit. Amen? But he said, in whom is, uh, in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hands upon him. Amen. The laying on of hands to God is something very sacred and he commanded us. And I told y'all this uh, in, in the sermon and stuff. That's why our government wants to take our ability to way to touch one another. That's Satan. It ain't God. Amen. That's the devil. Don't congregate. You know what the CDC is? The, the What's the their title? Uh, the centers of disease control. You know what they really are? The centers of, I did have it in my head, Christians don't congregate. That's what CDC stands for in my book. Because that's what they preached for two years to us. Every time somebody gets sick, Christians don't congregate. Families stay away from each other. Yeah. Brother, they're attacking all fronts at one time. That's what this transgender garbage is all about. <clears throat> We're made in God's image and they're trying to change that <laughs> to make us into some other image that nobody's ever... But anyway, you're, you're right on the track. They're doing everything humanly possible to follow what Satan is teaching them to do. Right. To derail the Christian To fight Christianity. To fight Christianity. And that's why we need to know the Word, and that's why God repented it with us. We've got to know it. We've got to know it. Because our enemy knows it. Amen? Amen. You don't think Satan don't know how important it is for the laying on the hands? Because God commanded it done over and over and over, and they said, if I can just keep them from touching one another, then when he get healed. Y'all know why we have healings in this church? Because we lay hands on people. Yeah. Amen. I got, I got to get some olive oil because I need to get some of that dripping off of you too. Because that's part of it. I, I mean it. Oh yeah. Yes. I mean it. Amen. I, I, we have seen the Lord heal some people in this room. Yeah. We, we laid hands on somebody that, that was requesting prayer for someone else and he healed them over there. Yeah. Praise God, we've seen that in this church. Why? Because we, we do what the Lord tells us to do. That's right. You see, you give it, you, you say, Brother James, last, what, last Sunday we was talking about somebody and he said, 
let's get together and lay hands on you for them. Listen to me. I didn't get to tell you all that. That boy went to church that night and whoop, he got, he ain't empty no more. Amen. 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 We prayed for him at 5 o'clock. He went to church at 6 o'clock. By 7 o'clock, he was full again. There you go. That's God. Praise God. It ain't no accident. It ain't no accident. It's God. Amen. And we, you know what people say? Well, I don't see God. We see Him all the time. Amen. You don't see Him, you ain't looking. <laughs> you ain't looking. That's exactly right. And so He tells him, He said, I want you to take this man, Joshua, and the Holy the Spirit is in him, and I want you to lay your hands on him. I love verse 20. And I want you to put some of thine honor upon him. I want you to give him some of you. Give what you've got. <coughs> I want, I, want, I want you to lay your hand and I want you to give him some of your honor. And you know what? Moses was willing to do that. Amen. You know what? There's a lot of jealousy in churches uh, today. And somebody thinks, well, somebody's going to get more attention than I do. So somebody's going to get the same more than I do. That preacher always thinks he's supposed to run things. The, de the deacons, who them deacons think they are? Well, them committees, right? Yeah, that, the churches is full of that kind of, it's junk. We, we need to be willing to give each other some of ourselves. But you know what the Bible tells us to do, Brother Sam? I'm not focused on the preacher here, Brother Sam. You just know, deacon. I, you listen to me. <laughs> you know what the Bible tells me to do? Esteem you greater than myself. Amen. That's what the Bible tells us to do. Esteem others greater than our own selves. That's, that's Christianity. He's he not talking about lost people. He's talking about saved people. Yes, that's the way you're supposed to treat your brother. You're, you're supposed to do what Jesus tells us. Do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. Amen. When I do wrong, do I want to get browbeat and beat up? Well, I might expect it, but you know what? When somebody comes up and says, we're going to look over this. We're going to forgive you for this. Woo! What a, you know what a relief it is. <laughs> Amen? That's better than that plop, plop, fizz, fizz, isn't it? It's a relief. Well, God does us that way. He relieves us of our sin by the blood of Christ and forgives us. And so he said, I want you to lay your hands on him. I want you to I want you to give him, uh, he said, and, and thou shalt put some of thine honor upon him so that all the congregation of the children of Israel may obey him like they have you. They needed, they needed to see this. They needed to see Moses transfer power to this young man. They needed to know this is who we're supposed to follow. Amen? And so when, when they did this in verse 21, it says, uh, at his word shall they go out. And this is what they told him because uh, Eleazar the priest uh, gave him counsel and, and here the Urim again, they're picking to throw a dice for him. I don't know what they're going to do this for. But anyway, he said, at, at his word shall they go out and at his word they shall come in, both he and the children of Israel with him. You are going to follow this man because I'm not going to be here anymore. And I'm going to give him what I have. I want to give him my authority and I want y'all to follow him. This is what God has told me to do. This is listen to me. Y'all know why we ordained deacons? What what Moses did was ordained Joshua. 
But every time we do deacons here, you know what we do? We bring them up in front of the church and what happens? We lay hands on them. Yeah. Pray for them. Impart wisdom, if we got any, to them. <laughs> and tell them that we just pray that the Lord will take them and use them in mighty ways. Amen. That's what we do. That's what ordination looks like. And, and so this is a, an ordination service that God uh, proclaimed that he wanted uh, Moses to ordain Joshua. And verse 23, he obeyed and he laid his hands upon him and gave him a charge. And the Lord commanded uh, that Moses, that the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses. Any questions or comments about this? Okay. We fixing to jump right in the middle of all these sacrifices again, but we ain't gonna read all of them. Okay, we done read them a couple of times in the past, and we probably gonna read them again in Deuteronomy before it's all over with. I just want to bring some things to your attention, though. And I even took the time. Y'all remember last week when I wrote all these uh, the, the numbers of the census down? How I got them crisscrossed. I'm probably gonna do that again, but I took some time today to write some of these things down. And uh, so we're going to look in chapter 28. I'm not going to ask anybody to read, but I want you to look at the, the first uh, set of offerings it talks about. It's the daily offering. Now, the daily offerings is something that the Lord commanded the children of Israel to do how often? Every day. That's why they call them daily offerings, right? Duh. Uh, anyway, and so I want you to look what they are. He said, uh, he told Moses, commanded the children of Israel, saying to them, this first two, my offering and my bread for my sacrifices made by fire for a sweet savor uh, unto me shall uh, you observe and offer unto me in their due season. And in this, in this uh, instance, it was every day. And this everyday offering was, listen to this, was two lambs of the first year uh, without spot or blemish. He, they were to do one lamb in the morning and they were to do one lamb in the evening. They were to use a tenth part of an ephah and an epa is a bushel, okay? A bushel, and it also gives a weight in liters, and I didn't write that down, but a tenth part of an epa or a bushel, a, a, a flour mingled with a one-fourth hen. A hen is one and a half gallons of oil, and uh, so it was one-fourth of that. And uh, <clears throat> this was a meter grain offering, and, and a drink offering, one fourth, one fourth hen, or one fourth of a gallon and a half of strong wine, strong drink. Okay. Now they did have different qualities of wine. I learned something about that wine today too, and I didn't even drink none of it. Back then, the strong wine was wine that had been fermented and had not been watered down, which would have an alcohol content of somewhere between 12 and 15 percent. And I'm going to tell you my encounter with some homemade wine. <laughs> I had a friend back in my days when I loved to drink, and I'm not bragging, <laughs> I'm just going to give you an example, because I used to drink wine and I would drink up to out a gallon at a time with beer. Bill Wright. Well, I did. I guess. I, I was, that's what the Lord delivered me from. That's the way I did. I did that for three years. Okay? Not a very nice person. Well, I had a friend from Colorado. His parents made homemade apple wine. I never drank apple wine. 
And they sent him for Christmas one year a five-gallon jug of homemade apple wine. It was in one of those big stand-up uh, clear uh, pitchers with a spigot on the bottom of it. So I go over to his house, me and my drinking buddy, we go over to his house and we decide that we, we go in there and look at that and say, wow, what is that? And he told us. And he said, y'all want some? Said, yeah. And I, he said, well, how much you want? He said, this stuff's potent. I said, man, I'm a wino. I can drink this stuff. And I got a glass. It probably eight ounce glass. And I went over there and he just told me, get what you want out of it. And I filled that glass up. And I started drinking it. Now, I wasn't a I wasn't a polite drinker. I was a guster. And so, buddy, I, I drank that down. And I wanted to get me another glass of it. It was so good. Now, this guy had this for Christmas from his parents. I went to get up to get me another glass of that wine. I had to sit back down. My head was already spinning. Amen. If, I, if they had sold that up here at Domino, cheap like that stuff I bought, I could have gotten drunk real cheap. So this is the strong wine that they're talking about that God required them to put in the sacrifices. And he, he told them to put uh, one-fourth hen or one-fourth of a gallon and a half to make with this. Now they did this, uh, this uh, the sacrifice morning, one lamb in the morning, one lamb in the evening, and they gave the, those offerings, they split them in half and did each one of them uh, they did the same thing with both offerings. This was to be done every day. Right, then it gets uh, to the uh, verse 9, it gets to the Sabbath days. So how, how often is the Sabbath days? It's every seven days, or in their case, every Saturday, what we call Saturday. Uh, Sunday was the first day of their week, and they call, they, they call the Sabbath Saturday. So every Saturday, this is what they were to do. They were to give... Uh, 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 yeah, two lambs. Uh, no. Yeah. Two, two lambs, lambs and two tenths of a deal. Okay, I'll get this right. I told you if I wrote it down, I'd mess it up because I get excited writing this stuff down. Anyway, it says to, to do uh, two lambs of the first year without spot and two tenths, tenth deals of flour. Uh, for a meat offering. Now the deal is a different uh, from uh, from the epha. I didn't even look to see how much that was. Mingled with oil and a drink offering there. Now I want you to look at this. So they do two lambs on the Sabbath and they do this other, I, I call them fixings to go with the, the sacrifice which is actually a, a, a grain offering is what it amounts to. But not only did they do this on Sunday, guess what else they had to do on Sunday or, or the Sabbath? The continual daily offering was not set aside because it was the Sabbath day. So they had to do the continual daily offering and the Sabbath offering. Amen? So they do two lambs, one in the morning, one in the evening. But on the Sabbath day, then they do two other lambs. They do four lambs in that day. This goes on every week of the year. Now think about that. All right? So we move on then, and we, we get to the, the Passover. And I, and I can show you all this uh, in verse 10. Uh, I, I tried to underline these things. Verse 10, it says, This is the burnt offering of every Sabbath 
beside the continual burnt offering, which was the daily burnt offering, and the drink offering. And then, and then it goes to the monthly offerings in verse 11. Now the monthly offering was done on the first day of every month. Okay? So now we have uh, every day offering, we have every Sabbath offering, and now the first day of every month, we got another offering. Well, guess what? On the first day of every month, you still had to do the continuing daily offering with that offering. If the first day of the month showed up on the Sabbath day, you actually did the Sabbath day offering that day plus the first of the month offering. You did all of those the same day. So every one of these, if you go through there and underline it for yourself, every one of them will say, beside the continual burnt offering. In other words, these offerings are plus that. Okay? And so uh, on the first of the monthly offerings were added on the first day of every month. They were to do two. Now listen to this one. Two bulls, one ram, seven lambs without spot, and all the trimmings are, are the fixings that goes with it. Now in other words, the grain offering, the wine, the flour, the oil, all that goes with it. And so now on this day, they got to do two lambs, one in the morning, one in the evening. Then they got to do uh, two bulls, one ram, and seven more lambs that goes with it. Amen. And a lot of times they added a kid goat for a sin offering at the end. Now you can see how this is going. It's getting bigger and bigger, but it's going to stop there. Okay, and so then we look at the Passover. The Passover feast is uh, and begins in verse 16. This is the 14th day of the first month is the Passover of the Lord. So on the 14th day of the first month and then the 15th day of this month is the feast and this one lasts seven days. Okay, this one lasts seven days. Uh, the first day shall be a holy convocation. You shall do no uh, servile work therein. And then on, on this one, they do two young bulls, one ram, seven lambs, one goat, uh, which is the, uh, which is the uh, goat for the sin offering, all the fiction besides the daily offering. And on this one, since it lasts seven days, there will be a Sabbath. And not only will it, it could possibly start with a Sabbath and also end with a Sabbath. Isn't that amazing? All of these animals were to be sacrificed regardless through every bit of this. Because if you look in verse 23, it says again, uh, you shall offer these beside the burnt offering in the morning, which is for a continual burnt offering. So he's talking about the daily offering. And, and also it would encompass the, uh, the, uh, uh, the Sabbath offering. So this is the Passover feast. Uh, now, we, yeah, I'm not even going over what these, these represent. The Passover feast is where the, <coughs> the blood on the doorpost in Egypt was done. The Lord said, I'll see the blood and I'll pass over you. All right, now we have the feast of the first fruits. This, is a, this is a, starts in uh, verse 26, and it's a, a day of the first fruits. And it comes, it has really no specific date, but it comes uh, after, after so many weeks and uh, I say, I wrote this down. Uh, it's a feast of weeks. It was also this this uh, week of uh, feast of first fruits is also known later on as Pentecost. So you'll see it in the New Testament also. It was seven weeks after the first sheaf or the or the first wave of of wheat or barley or whatever showed up. They waited seven weeks after that happened 
and they took these things and they did their wave offerings and all this kind of stuff with it. But not only did they do these kind of wave offerings, it also, uh, after this seven weeks, it was two young bulls, one round, seven lambs of the first year, one kid goat, and that was beside all the other offerings that went with it. The first day of the month, <coughs> the Sabbaths, and the everyday continual offering. Now these, these animals are starting to pile up now, aren't they? Now is this, this for each household? Oh no, this is for the, the, the congregation. Yeah, this is what they're doing at the tabernacle. Okay. Uh, now the congregational one uh, are, are going to be different. Now, if somebody couldn't attend that, they could have their own personal thing. Okay. Okay. So the next one is the feast of trumpets. Uh, uh, that, there's a lot of sacrifices here. Uh, the the feast of trumpets was on the uh, seventh month. Now the seventh month is going to be a very expensive month for the Hebrew people here uh, because there's several of these that happened in the seventh, seventh month. So this, trump, this Feast of Trumpets uh, on the seventh month it begins on the first day. Now, now think about this. This Feast of Trumpets starts on the first day so they've got to do the first day of the month uh, sacrifices. They've got to do the everyday sacrifices also on the same day they start this one. Yeah. Okay? It says one bull, one ram, seven lambs of the first year, one of the kid goats for the sin offering, uh, the daily and monthly offering, but because it's the first day of the month, the total was three bulls, two rams, 16 male lambs, 1.6 bushels of fine flour, and six gallons of oil, and six gallons of strong wine on the first day. <laughs> this is a bad enough quick game. And we got their hands full. Huh? Said the Levites had their hands full. It busy, wasn't it? Amen. Now this goes on. Let's see. This goes on for. Uh, uh, so it just starts this one day. All right. Let's go to the next. Any questions so far? Now every one of these, as just to show you this one, uh, in verse thirty-one, beside the continual burnt offering. So you're adding all this every time. And then we have the, the Feast of the Trumpets says in chapter 29 in verse 1. It also starts, it, this, is that the one I just did? Yeah, yeah. yeah the Feast of the Trumpets. Okay, let me move on. Verse 6, it, it's every day. It, you have to include the, uh, the, the daily offering too. The next one is the Day of Atonement. It's on the 10th day of the 7th month. So you start the, the Feast of the Trumpets on the first day of the seventh month. You go seven days, and then three days later, you start another feast. Now look at this one. This is the Day of Atonement, uh, the Atonement Feast. It's uh, one of the holiest of the holidays that they have. But on this one, they did one bull, one ram, seven lambs of the first year. All the fixings, that means the, 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 the flour and the oil and the wine. One of the kids goes for a sin offering. And, and uh, this one here, uh, in, the, in the beginning, in, in, that they did it in Le uh, Leviticus, is where the scapegoat was. So remember, they, they brought two goats to that one, and one goat they sacrificed, and the other one they laid their sin on, they laid their hand on it, put their sin on it, and they sent it out way in the wilderness, okay? This is the same uh, atoning sacrifice that, that when Jesus Christ is our atonement now, by the way. Okay, and so, let, let's go to the next one. And if I'm getting into a bigger area, you've got questions, just go ahead. Again, it adds uh, in uh, verse 11, beside the sin offering of the atonement and the continual burnt offering, 
and the meat offering and, and all the drink offering. All this has got to be done together. So now we're on the face of the tabernacles. Now they did the, uh, the, the one with the trumpets. Uh, they, and by the way, the trumpets was not a, a, a metal horn. It was a, a ram's horn that they actually used for that feast right there, not a, not a silver one. And then they do the atonement on the 10th day. Uh, the, the first one, the, the one of the trumpets lasted seven days. The atonement was on the 10th day. Now look, on the 15th day of the seventh month. This month getting expensive real quick, again. On the 15th day of the seventh month, this one here lasts for seven days. Now look at, the, look at this one. This is the Feast of Tabernacles. And uh, it's also known uh, later on as the Feast of Booths, okay, that you'll recognize in the New Testament. The Feast of Tabernacles, 15th day of the seventh month, seven days, and every day was a different sacrifice, a different a number of bulls. Now I want you to look at this, day one, 13 bulls. This is beside the daily sacrifice. 13 bulls. What, what verse are you in now? Uh, 13, 14. Yeah, I'm in uh, verse 13. Okay. You got 13 bulls, two rams, 14 lambs of the first year, one kid goat, all the fixings besides the daily. It goes with the two lambs, the first one. On the second day, you reduce the number of bulls. You had 13 bulls the first day. The second day, you got 12 bulls. Okay? All the rest is the same. So uh, two, uh, 12 bulls, two rams, 14 lambs, all the fixing besides the daily. On the third day, you got 11 bulls, two rams, 14 lambs, one kid goat, all the fixing besides the daily. On the fourth day, you got 10 bulls, and it just goes on the same number as the rest of them. And it goes all the way down to the seventh day, and there is seven bulls that will be sacrificed on that seventh day. This one goes into the eighth day. So in this time, you have two Sabbath days included with their sacrifices with a continual daily sacrifice. This is a lot of animals <laughs> in the month. In a the lot summer. of work, too. <laughs> yeah, a lot of work. Those priests were very busy, weren't they? Yes, they were. Amen. And so now you see what a profitable business it was by the time Christ shows up and they're still doing these sacrifices and boy, when this month shows up, them Levites are making some money off of the animals they have around the building, around the uh, Jerusalem. Okay? And so on the eighth day, there would be no work, solemn assembly, one bull, one ram, seven lambs, all the fixings, one goat for a sin besides the daily offering on the eighth day also. Okay? And in this one, like I said, they had two Sabbaths involved in that. All right. Any questions so far? And every one of these, this one, verse 22, beside the continual burnt offering and his meat offering and his drink offering. So it keeps adding those things. And, it, it, and, and y'all listen, this is on the everyday offering. This is on all seven days. They were doing these same things every seven, uh, on every day of the seventh day, and on the, on the eighth day. Now in uh, verse uh, 38, uh, it, it adds again on the eighth day when you shall have your solemn assembly you shall do no several work, but you shall offer a burnt offering, a sacrifice made by fire, sweet savor uh, to the Lord. One book. I'm in verse 36, and in verse 38 it says again, one goat for a sin offering, beside the continual burnt offering, and his meat offering, and the drink offering. In other words, the daily offering. 
And this is the things that Moses was started telling them after the, he ordained Joshua, and the Lord told him, you're going to have to go die. This is the beginning of what he starts teaching them that they've got to do. Moses feels like he needs to get this information to them one more time, and that they need to hear these things one more time. He's writing this stuff down, and he writes it down repetitively too. But he goes into great detail in this chapter right here to tell them exactly what they have to do and remind them that not only do you get to do have to do all of these sacrifices, but you have to include the daily, the first of the month, and the Sabbath offerings included in every one that you do. They're dead animals everywhere. Amen. And so this is something that, uh, and, and what I want to bring out, I'm fixing to close. And so, hey, we actually got two chapters in that. Think what Jesus did for us on the cross. A single sacrifice, once and for all, covers every bit of that. That's what he did for us. Amen. And listen to me, it's free. It's free. That, that's why it annoys me when people don't take advantage of that blood of Christ. Why not? Why not? Why not bring every sin, every bit of guilt, everything that's burdening you and bring it to Him and let Him discover it up with what He did for us by replacing every one of those animals. And listen to it. He is our continual daily offer that was done once and for all. We serve such a wonderful God. Amen. And the God that gave them this knew he was going to send his son. He knew it. And he knew he wanted them to see the price that that man was going to pay for them. And they did this from on up to the day he was killed. And then the Christians quit having to do that. They want to try to start it up again. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me none. Any questions or comments? Y'all didn't tally up all of these numbers. Sam, I'll leave that up to you. You can tally up all these numbers. I, I went as far as I could just writing them down. I still don't know if I got them right, but if you tally up all these animals, that's a bunch. Yeah. That's a bunch. Let's thin the herd real quick. Yes. And these people are on a journey in the wilderness and they're carrying these animals with them. So he, they, that gives you an idea how many animals they have that they can do this, especially the lambs. Seems like they'd run out of first year lambs awful quick. You'd think, but they didn't. Amen. All right, we can stand up there. I know this stuff is clear as mud, I know that. Uh, we're, we're going to get back into the laws and, and the things regarding certain people. And actually, we're, we're, we're just about through with the book of Numbers. Only got 36 chapters, and we got two of them tonight. Don't count on that every time. And we'll be in chapter 30 uh, next week, uh, which will be what date? Day 23rd? 23rd. Thank y'all for being here. Brother Jim Boss, will you dismiss it, please? Dear Lord, we just come before you tonight. Just thank you for the grace and mercy that you 
providers, where we just stand humble and realize the sacrifice that you've made for us. That we don't have to do what children of Israel did. Lord, we just ask you let it bear upon our minds how great thou art. And let us be busy about doing your work as we go out into the mission field. We just ask you to be with us as we depart from here. Get us traveling grace back home. And an opportunity to come back the next time the doors are open. <coughs> Rest these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Amen.